When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Okay, so uh, Scott, we've got another new partnership with us, but it's kind of an old partnership because I met this guy at the boardroom show, probably pre-COVID, in his product. So Trees Wax. Yeah, absolutely. Trees Wax. I'm super stoked to get them involved in the show. And of course, who doesn't like surf wax? I'm a huge fan of surf wax, David. And you may or may not know this, but uh, I don't put pads on my board. And um, I'm probably, uh, you know, in the in the minority there. And so I wax yeah. the entirety of my surfboard, and yeah. with Trees Wax base coat, and of course their top layer, uh, I get a sticky foundation. And in addition to, it's good for the environment, man. Trees Wax. So, so that's the thing. It's all in the name, right? Um, it's petroleum free surf wax. So it's responsibly sourced. From, tro- from trees and rocks, believe it or not. Christian at Treeswax is a little bit proprietary about the uh, exact recipe and formula, but I, I want to know which portion comes from rocks. What in the wax is is from rocks? Um, we do know, though, that the remainder, some of the other ingredients are pine resin, olive oil, li- actually limestone. That's what's in there. Um but it's an incredible product. It works really well, and there's just no downside. It's more respons- it's responsibly sourced, made from the earth, and there's no downside. Works great. You know what? It's inspired by nature, and it's driven by performance developed by our friend Christian in Santa Cruz. Trees Wax. Uh, go to treeswax.com. Check it out. Order some friggin' Trees Wax. Uh, I know I've yeah, got tre- my, my, my car stocked right now, so when I go down to the local, um, I just pull the Trees Wax out. And uh, sticky goodness. Yeah. If you want to order online, of course, um, order, I think nine bars is the minimum amount just to make it worth the shipping. But you can also find it at a handful of local retailers. So we've got Blown Out Surf Shack at Pleasure Point, uh, Frog House in Newport, and then Bird's Surf Shed down in San Diego also carries Trees Wax and a lot more up and down the coast, like core retailers that, um, that understand and know and need the value of good product like this. So thanks, Trees Wax. Thrilled to have you here. And then Scott, we owe some love to Real Water Sports as well. We're headed out there 10 days. Oh my, we're on our way to foil camp and um, 
It's a surf trip, so to speak, in North Carolina. And uh, real water sports, bros. We're going to be hanging with Trip. We're going to be foiling. We're going to be hanging with listeners, too. We're going to have a meetup. The meetup is on Wednesday. I always, I don't know why this isn't committed to memory at this point. Uh, Wednesday, the 19th. All right. At the Waterman, Waterman Bar and Grill from uh, 6 to 8 p.m. Swing by if you want to say hi. Major thanks to Real Water Sports. By the way, it's July 5th in the U.S. right now, and they're still doing their uh, 4th of July sale. I think it runs for another 48 hours or so, and it's 60% off site-wide on their website. So surfboards, foil gear, all of it. Go check it out. 60% off. That's amazing. So check out Real Water Sports. uh, Take advantage of the July 4th sale. It's just still running. And um, we hope to see you uh, listeners in North Carolina. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail, a clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit, gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy, David. Yeah, friggin' guy. Oh, my. It is July 5th, the day after the day we celebrate our independence from King George. David, welcome to the Spit Podcast, Spit Podcast, where uh, we talk all things surf. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass, with you. Great to see you, Scott. What'd you do for the 4th of July? You know what? I do what I do almost every 4th of July, which is nothing. I hunker down. I don't go out. Um, I don't go to the beach. It's kind of a rookie day. You know what I mean? Like I just let all the rookies go down there and get their friggin' crazy on. And I just kind of stay home with my beautiful wife and my beautiful dog and just kind of chill out and do some yard work. We actually we did a bunch of housework yesterday, moving some stuff around. And yeah, you know, I guess you could say I'm old. <laughs> did you grill did you grill hot dogs and hamburgers no i don't grill wow I'm not a griller no didn't do that You're not sounding very patriotic to me scott you know what i hung a flag i i hung a flag in the front yard our neighborhood is you know rife with revelers and sparklers and firecrackers and uh um so yeah you know I'm pretty patriotic. I I read a lot of history. You know, I'm big into history. I'm reading yeah. a great book about the USS Indianapolis, which is leading me up to, of course, this Oppenheimer movie, which comes out in about three weeks, which I'm really fired up about, maybe too fired up, because I'm reading about the USS Indianapolis, which is the the boat, the destroyer, the cruiser, which delivered the parts to the... Um, the atomic bomb, which was dropped uh, on Japan in 1945. It's, it's, uh, it's a great book. And so I'm big into history. So I'm big into July 4th. Everybody's definition of patriotism is very different. You know what I mean? So it's funny to see um, some people claiming patriotism or claiming that somebody else is not patriotic and uh, I think we're all on the same page, and we need to have a little bit of grace and understanding for other people's way of doing things. That's a good point. I know that I'm I'm not a big, like, my flag is bigger than your flag it, guy, you know? Yeah, like, I'm not exactly. driving around with a flag attached to my car, which is so large that 
a potential gust could blow my Jeep <laughs> over. <laughs> Using it as a wind sail. Yeah. I'd prefer to, to try to educate myself on what did this whole thing, this this experiment that is the United States, what it's really all about, what it's based in, you know? And that's that's truly that's a great way of putting it. That is what it is. We're 200 years into it now. Maybe, okay, 250 years into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it is an experiment. And these experiments take a very long time to work through. So, and I think we're doing pretty good thus far. You know, there's certainly hiccups and things that uh, I would absolutely change, but it's a learning curve and it takes time and it's hard to get everybody on the same page to do things. So, yeah, it's amazing that, you know, Whatever it is, 250 years ago, a group of legislators decided to do something which was groundbreaking, which was to say that, hey, guess what? All men are created equal. Like yeah. that concept was brand new just 250 yeah. years ago. Forever before then, there was, if you were born into wealth, you were part of the monarchy or the king or the rich ruling class, and you were just that way and it stayed that way. And if you weren't born into that ruling class, you were screwed. And um, the United States, this, this experiment is saying, hey, it doesn't matter what class you're born into. We want to provide opportunity for everyone to rise up. All you got to do is do the, do, uh, you know, do the, do the hard work. And um, of course, as you mentioned, Partis- there are plenty Partis- of hiccups. Yeah. Um, I don't think of you as a movie buff. And so it's, or I don't hear you mention movies that often. And so You've now mentioned Oppenheimer, I feel like four or five times on this podcast, so <laughs> yeah. I've never seen you so excited. I'm probably overhyping it, you know what I mean? Um, but let me it just say It should be that, amazing. And I've done this, I've told you this before. Listen to Dan Carlin's uh, Destroyer, Destroyer of Worlds podcast. That will lead you up to this Oppenheimer film, which is, you know who's starring in it is the guy from um, Peaky Blinders, Pe- yeah. the main actor, I forget his name. Killian Murphy. Thank you. I knew you would knew. I knew you would know it was Killian (laughs) Murphy. So Killian Murphy's in this, and he's obviously was great in Peaky Blinders. What a great actor. He's going to be playing Oppenheimer. I read the Oppenheimer uh, biography maybe like eight years ago. I actually listened to it on tape. Um, it was pretty dense and pretty boring is what I remember from it. I mean, I felt, (laughs) I felt like it was important. You know, there's certain homework assignments you give yourself where you're like, this isn't going to be fun, but I feel like I should probably know this. And yeah, I got halfway through that thing and I'm like, wow, this is truly, I'm glad I'm not reading it and I'm actually listening to it instead because then I was able to go about my life. But, um, yeah, I don't remember much actually. I wish I had kind of a refresher course on it before watching the movie. Well, that's it. I, this is what concerns me about Oppenheimer the movie. Like, I'm worried that it's going to be, you know, maybe just boring. I guess is the best way you just put it. You know, and that's why I would urge people to listen to Destroyer of Worlds by Dan Carlin, who's never boring. And you get the sense that Dan pulls the good stuff about the Oppenheimer story as it relates to geothermal geothermal nuclear destruction and um and and then just like leaves out all the you know the stuff that maybe isn't so interesting and um yeah well christopher nolan makes exciting movies riveting movies generally so i don't think that it should be boring well give me i don't know much about christopher nolan what's another movie that he's made that i would know about the batman films with christian bale would be the big ones oh hell Um, yeah he made Inception with Leonardo DiCaprio. He made Interstellar with 
Matthew McConaughey. Memento, I believe, back in the day, that movie that's all backwards. It's told backwards with Guy wow. Pierce. Tons, tons of great stuff. Who's the greatest actor right now? Who's because you mentioned Matthew McConaughey. I think he gets over overlooked. I think that guy's a great actor. Christian Bale. Yeah, I like Christian Bale. Yeah. Um, well, hey, big big news last week that you and I have not gotten to yet in the surf oh, yeah. world. Well, that's right. Huge Elo news. Gate. Elo Gate, right? That's what I'm calling so, it. Are you calling it Elo Gate? What are you calling it? Um, <laughs> I, you know, I haven't come up with a title for it yet, but this news broke hot and heavy. Scott texted me, or we were texting about it, and um, Scott's like, we got to do an emergency podcast. And I'm like, it's the holiday weekend. I I don't think I could pull it off until Monday. Monday, we also didn't pull it off because we were still in the mid throes of the holiday. But here we are, and I feel like the news has quieted. Like it was one or two hot days where everybody was revved up and excited about the news. But at this point, how are you feeling? Does it feel as intense? Um, yeah, but you, you know, I think what's the most intense is the quiet, right? Like that, the, okay. that it's kind of like nobody's really been able to break anything. I actually reached out to some people this morning and, um, people have been getting back to me and saying, nobody knows what's happening. Um, it's, it's pretty clear to me, you and to, and to me that it smells like there's some human resources litigation. Um, and we, we know that Elo was we blindsided to- by this. Go ahead. What? So what is the news? Say the news before you get good. The news is that Eric Logan, the CEO of the WSL, was removed from his position on Thursday of last week and um, departed, removed. Was he fired? Something fishy here. And and again, it smells to me like litigation. Um, Eric Logan was blindsided by this news. This has all the hallmarks of a planned executed dismissal. It was careful. It's quiet. Um, Thursday of the 4th of July weekend by the WSL legal team sending out a release. All of this smells like there's litigation, you know, and everyone's like, all the lawyers are like, don't say anything or you're just going to screw it for everybody. You know, and so I think that there's something there. What type of litigation you use your, I don't want to throw out anything here because I just don't think it's fair to anyone involved, but. Well, and we don't know anything. Exactly. So we. So full disclosure, Scott and I do know lots of rumblings and rumor and innuendo from um, behind the scenes that we don't discuss on air from years, uh, from the last, let's say, three years of Eric Logan being there. There's things that are worth discussing on the show and there's things that aren't. And so the kind of more personal interaction stuff we've never discussed on the air. And I don't know if this is an extension of some of those rumors that we've heard in the past or if this is completely different, but I do agree with you that there is something that's related to an HR violation because, you know, we, we also, one of the things we do talk about here on the air is his incompetence and the ways that he has not succeeded in the CEO position. So if he were to be fired for incompetence, that would probably become, would probably be happening mid season, you know, in between seasons or even, I'm sorry, not mid season, but in between seasons at the end of the season or in between events for this to happen in the middle of an event is very suspect. And for there not to be a CEO replacement lined up is also very suspect or very telling. And then the other thing that's really strange about this one is nobody has revealed the 
what happened. So we have lots of friends who are on the ground in Brazil there for the event. And when something happens, we start getting, you know, rumors leaked to us because people witnessed it or just whatever people within the organization talk. The fact that nobody has said anything and also people that I've asked directly, they don't know. It's not like they're lying to me and they're keeping a secret. Nobody knows. So what this makes me feel is that there was something that happened between two people like Eric Logan violated something. And there's only maybe one other person that knows about it who went direct to, you know, um, the higher ups. I think, I think lawyers, I think lawyers filed a lawsuit or notified, I guess if you filed a lawsuit, that would be public domain perhaps, but notified the WSL legal team that, Hey, we are about, this is what's happening. We're about to do this and you need to know that. And be prepared because it's coming. And that's what I think where they went, uh oh, we're in the middle of a Brazil yeah. event. And yeah. Uh, so ultimately, what that means is the WSL stu- stepped in because they needed to protect a liability that potentially the CEO created. So yeah. that's where we're at with this. Exactly. So I think we're, so we have no idea what any of that means uh, or what the action would have been or what the misstep would have been or the overstep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do, I think, feel strongly that it wasn't, this firing was not related to incompetence of the CEO in general for running the business. This has something to do with something else. Yeah, that's my sense too. And I'm, I also feel like they're probably already in settlement mode, um, that this lawsuit will never reach the light of day. It'll just be like, Hey, look, how do you want to handle this? And they're, they're like, how much do you want? You know? And I think that that's where we're at and until that settlement occurs. And in fact, when settlements occur, many times it's like, hey, this was only the settlement's only good if you don't say anything. There is a um, clampdown right. on information about it. So maybe yeah. it'll be a while before we really know. Okay. Well, the press release officially said today the World Surf League announced that CEO Eric Logan has departed from the company, has departed the company effective immediately. As the WSL begins the process of identifying a new CEO. Emily Hoffer, WSL's Chief People and Purpose Officer, and Bob Kane, Chief Chief Operating Officer and Chief Legal Officer, will jointly lead the company and continue to drive the WSL's mission to showcase the best surfers on the world's best waves as the global uh, home of competitive surfing. So there's a number of sentences that I would like to analyze there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Emily Hoffer, Chief People and Purpose Officer. Have you ever heard of that title before? <laughs> no, it's it's crazy. It's HR, right? That's what that means. I mean, yeah, I think that's what it means. Yeah, she's the HR. Person. Okay. So I've heard from within the organization for years, Emily Hoffer's kind of the uh, the Wizard of Oz in the org where, really? she, yeah, where mm-hmm. she's been quietly running things. She's super smart. Uh, she's quietly been running things, really making all the decisions for the organization. And that Eric Logan as CEO has operated as kind of the face of the business, but it's really Emily who's been running the show. So it doesn't surprise me that she would be, uh, stepping into this position. And if what you've kind of alluded to is accurate, then she's HR and HR, you know, is responsible for cleaning up the mess. Uh, Bob Kane, of course, will be supplementing that role and he's the chief legal officer. So you got HR and legal now filling the position temporarily. So I think that says plenty. 
But moving into the next sentence, it said, we'll continue to drive WSL's mission to showcase the best surfers on the world's best waves. <laughs> I don't feel like they that's, that's ever boiler. been their mission. <laughs> that's boilerplate. You know what I mean? They're just like, oh yeah, throw that in there. <laughs> I mean, somebody, a friend of mine sent me a video from the Brazil event and he's like, literally it's the world's best surfers in the world's worst waves. <laughs> And, and I was like, it's not a joke. Like, it sounds like, oh, that's satirical. No, that's actually what we're doing. And not just in Brazil, by the way, but from event to event to event. So anyways. well, this, this brings up the big question, which is really what's on everyone's mind. And Stab wrote a piece about it in Surfer Magazine's. Surfer Magazine, I guess, is back. They've got like a staff and everything. They've got, um, they've got Xander Morton and they've got Daniel Pershing, I think it is, or Pershon or some. Anyway, mm. they've got people that are putting out content. Um, but the, so who's going to replace Eric Logan, right? That's and stabbed throughout some names. I'm sure you read the article. Um, I was many, many of the people that they suggested. I was like, nope, nope, nope. And I'll tell you my, my immediate filter question. When I look at a potential candidate for the new CEO of the WSL, my initial filter question is, does this person have the vision to wipe the entire thing clean and start from mm. scratch? And there were so many people on that list that Stab put out who are what I would consider like legacy personnel that are so attached to like, oh, we got to have an event at Bell's just because, you know, and you know, it's, and it's like, no, that's not working. So if they can't, if they can't get through my first filter question, they're out. And there's really only um, one or two people on that list that even made it. And I'll tell you who I think should be uh, of yeah, that. Dying. List, of that, I'm dying to know. I think it should be Ross Garrett. I think Ross Garrett has the vision to wipe the whole thing clean and implement a version of the so-called purple blob tour. And I'll tell you why, because Ross is the kind of guy that will get down on a spreadsheet and go, do we have a business? You know what I mean? And, and right now looking at the business, we're bleeding 30 million a year of Ziff's money. This is not a business. So do we have a business? If we have a business, can we implement the business? And when will the business be profitable? I, those are the kinds of things that I know Ross Garrett will ask. Those are the questions that are important. And then when you ask those questions, you go, well, what are we trying to do? And you just mentioned it from MCAIN, world's best surfers and the world's best waves. Well, the only way to do that is to limit the amount of surfers we have because we'll have a limited amount of pumping swell and waves. And, um, you know, I, I think that Ross is, is, would be on my short list. Let me just say that. He would so be on my short list. Back up. Who is yeah. Ross Garrett? Um, Ross Garrett is a guy I've worked with Ross at surfer magazine. He was the publisher of surfer and surfing magazine. He then went on to work at surf line. Um, and he, in a, you know, a high level executive role at surf line. Um, he started another magazine, a paper, a paper magazine. Um, I forget what it was called, but it was, I think it was called foam. And it was geared towards women surfing, and he sold that and did well with that. He's got a proven track record of success. And, well, proven um, track record of writing those businesses on their ascent, you know, growing those each of those businesses. Yeah. 
So you tell me, you've seen the list. They've got like Evan Slater, Kelly Slater, Pat O'Connell, um, Fernando Aguirre, um, Paul Nade, um, Sears Wallace, um, some other people that are on that list. And and again, many of those, they they look like they might be good. They, they, they look like they could be figureheads, you know, but they don't look yeah. like the guy that's like nuts and bolts. Do we have a business? If so, can I implement this business and make it happen? And, and do they have the ability to wipe all the other stuff well, off the slate? I will answer your question based on their list, but I, I'll back up a little bit too. And I think um, we haven't had a CEO from within the surf industry in three iterations of CEOs, at least maybe four. We had Paul Speaker, we had Sophie Goldschmidt, and now we have Eric Logan. What I love about that list is that they're all surfers who have worked within the surf industry for extended periods of time. So I think that at least is a step in the right direction. We do not need somebody to come in from outside the surf space who's going to try to A, understand it, and then B, try to have vision for what it should be that's more reflective of the culture, right? We need somebody within the space who understands the culture. And so much when we discuss this over the years about what we want the tour to be, I'm afraid that it comes across sounding self-serving, like, hey, cater to the core surfers because we want what we want. That's actually not my intention when we say any of this. My intention is I know the WSL needs to run a profitable business. And what I'm suggesting to you is that what the core surfers love about surfing is the exact special sauce that will translate to middle America and everybody who's never going to surf, but will be fans of this thing. And so with, you know, the explosive growth of F1, or I constantly use the example of a decade or two ago, the explosive growth of the UFC, there was moments in my childhood where the UFC was on television in the first iterations of it. And it got banned from television because it was too bloody. It was too pugilistic. And at some point they sold the organization. I've, you know, Dana White got involved and they understood the special sauce for that thing is the pugilism. It's, we cannot wipe the blood off and make it too bland because that's no longer the sport. So let's lean into that. And that's what they've done. And through doing that, they've actually created their own platforms to showcase it because like I said, network television wasn't willing to do it. So then they go into deep cable and they create their own channel and their own, you know, let's just do pay-per-views and all this kind of stuff. And now they're crushing and they own it all at this point. And so the WSL needs to understand that and building the business the way that you set it is the only way to do it. They can't come in and go, okay, Let's keep some of this model and who, which countries around the world will give us money and then we'll go there and we'll run the event. It's so ass backwards. It'll never work that way. You'll never give us what we want being the core surfers and you'll never grow your business in the way that you want to grow it. So that was a fool's errand from the get go. So doing what you said, what's a profitable business? Here's the way it pencils out. And I don't, and I'm fine if that doesn't actually see a return for five or 10 years, but at least know the goal that you're working for. And once you have that business model, then you can run towards the profitability with under the criteria that you said, world's best surfers in the best waves. Seems simple. It also, what, what else is great about that is there's nobody else on the planet that does it. 
This is a super unique thing. We have the special sauce and we still have the surfers, the world's best surfers who want to participate in this thing. I mean, unfortunately, the last year has seen Gabriel Medina's trust get eroded and like some of the top level surfers are, I think, losing faith in the let me version uh, of the WSL that they were surfing in, but they're still keen. If somebody does rework it now, they're all still there willing to go on tour. Let me, um, let me just stop you right there because you said something you said, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you said something like, look, the world's best surface and the world's best way seems, seems easy. It seems simple. I actually think it's not that, I mean, you and I've been harping about this for years, but yeah. it's actually very, very difficult. Logistically, it's a massive headache. And the reason is, is, is because you're asking um, the new CEO or whoever it is to pull permits quickly based on swell forecasts. And that's going to require um, some geopolitical savvy and relationships. So whoever this new CEO is, if they're going to, in fact, implement a an eight-event purple blob tour where when we see waves show up, a swell forecast show up, we're going to go to a spot and have the event there. This person would need to establish and to have already well-connected boots on the ground in places like Indonesia to immediately go, hey, we're coming in a week. We need to pull a permit. Um, Australia, Hawaii, Mexico, the mainland, California, USA, Tahiti, and Fiji. I think if you just focus on those areas, um, and get those established boots on the grounds, people that can actually walk over to wherever they need to walk over, whatever bureau of ministry they need to enter and get permits pulled on the fly quickly and know that they're going to be able to do that so that when a swell does pop, they've already got those things lined up. And that's actually yeah. um, more difficult than, than you realize. I think it was more difficult in the past, but times have completely changed and they can, they can develop develop the framework for that contract or whatever well in advance and have those relationships in place and they fully explain to the people on the ground we need to do this as a strike mission this is going to be a quick in and out for us and like i said the part of what we can do now that we couldn't do in the past is we don't need a huge infrastructure we don't need judges on the beach we totally don't need the the camera crew can be super light. Look at the way that they've been doing it with the 20 foot plus on um, Surfline. Prickett's team can fly out. We'll have drones. We don't need helicopters. Like it'll yeah. be really light. Uh, our footprint will be light and we'll be in and out because we only have 12 surfers and we're not even going to build a structure on the beach. Hell Judges no. are remote. Yeah. Right. Judges so and it's commentators a, are remote in studio wherever. Exactly. So the, everything does need to be reworked to your point, but that permitting process, I think gets pretty streamlined if you're not building all of that stuff and bringing yeah. a crew of a hundred people with you, you yeah. know, all the surfers plus their families, plus all the people, yeah. all the crew. So it becomes super easy. And those relationships I think are, are largely the governments with those, yeah. you know, world-class waves, they know what they've got. They know it's a finite resource and people want it. And so they've got those people already in the tourism board and in the bureaucracy. Right, but the All you problem need to do is massage been, the relationships. The problem in the past has been, look, these are the dates, May 20th to June it's 6th. totally stupid. Yeah, yeah stupid. But now it's going to be like, hey, we still want to do this and we don't know the dates, but we'll tell you the it, dates. And so that's well, where you could run into a little bit of a headache where they're like, well, what if they're already needed, having an event? So, you know, like, I'm just saying that that's, that's the, yeah. the little bit of the issue. I get it. They needed those dates in advance 
because the infrastructure that they had to build was so right. sub substantial. It's right. not anymore, you know? Right. So I think the... So you say 12 surfers, I'm saying 24 surfers. Eight events, 24 Well, whatever. Surfers. Okay, yeah, we'll whatever, figure that out. Whatever the number right. is. We'll yeah. come through that when yeah. we get to it. Yeah. How about so this? I think I, that... Oh, go ahead. So I think that the permitting process is, is definitely easier. I think the other huge blowback that this CEO would get would be from the surfers themselves. Like saying... I agree with you. You're shaking your head. No, I agree. Who gives a crap? Exactly. Doesn't matter. Who cares? But there would, but there would need to be some brand new. Look, this I I could see a year of downtime, a year of developing those permitting relationships that you're talking about, and then a year of creating some sort of a feeder system that we're going to revamp what the top twelve or twenty four is going to look like. Because I don't think you can just use the current math and structure to pick what those twenty four people are. You know. Yeah. Um. That's, but that's it is another worth, huge it headache. Is worth how doing. do we feed into the system? I saw on the stab comments, which has some pretty smart people chiming in, interesting takes. Somebody said something that I think is important is that of the guys that are on the, the purple blob tour, the top 20 or 24 or whatever, those surfers must surf in at least two, for lack of a better phrase, challenger series events like say on the Gold Coast or the Bolito Pro in, in Africa or the U.S. Open in Huntington or the one in Brazil. And those two scores from that challenger event are in the final score tally line of those surfers on the tour. And that way you can get a lot of play out of these big infrastructure events and, and sponsorships can get a lot of play still out of the U.S. Open, out of the Gold Coast Pro and have the top guys show up because they have to. You know, they have to surf in at least two of those. So you're going to get a lot of like, oh, Gabe's going to be at our event, you know, and it blows up in that level. But we still get the prime of the prime in the prime. Well, that idea has been implemented, actually. That was a mandate from right. the WSL for a few years. Yeah. But the problem, the reason why it didn't work and why they revoked it was because the current tour is so um, there's so many stops and you're traveling for so much of the year that those top level athletes never had any downtime. That's between fine. Seasons. Don't, don't surf so, in it. I don't care. Don't, you no, don't have, no, you don't I do think it, you got I'm, two zeros on your score line. Believe me, they will make it happen. Here's my point is right. that argument no longer matters because in this new vision, it's a shorter tour and it's only a three day commitment when yep. you go somewhere on the CT yep. event. So I think that the idea was always great. It just, the execution was poor because both tours were so bloated. You can't expect somebody to travel 12 months out of the year and, and maintain like a healthy, you know, way of doing it. By the way, I just so, got an update from Ross Garrett. He, he would love to have the conversation and he's, and he would love to know what the Ziffs are really trying to do. Have him on the boardroom pod. I will. I'll reach. What's out. his current role. I don't know what he's doing right now. I think he's, um, I don't know. I really don't know. Well, to answer your question of who I think on that list, um, I like Bob Hurley. That's not going to happen. There's no Why? way in God's name Bob Hurley's going to. Why? Why would he take on that headache? Bob Hurley's already completely beyond successful, has all the money in the world and can just. Why would he? I mean, first of all, let me, let me, I, I would love Bob Hurley. I think he would be great, but it's just not, that's, that one's unrealistic. Why would he take on that challenge? Well, because Bob is 
got a certain, he bored? I mean, he's got a huge passion for surfing and he's got a certain altruistic streak. He's, he is a Ben, he's, he's the definition of a benefactor for us, you know, as, inter, yeah. as surfers. Yeah. And so I could see him doing it as a passion project. I think it's too much. I think that it's a big, this is a big ask. I don't think Bob wants to take on a full-time project with his last. I, I can't, I can't speak to yeah, what he wants to do. I'm not right. saying that he would take the role. I'm saying he's well, qualified for the role. I agree. He's, he would be the best. I'm not, he's right there on the short list, but I just, I, I wrote him off as why are they even putting him on that list? He's not going to do it. He's in like saying Barack phase. Obama, you know? Yeah. Barack Obama would be great. <laughs> he serves. He no, he's, there's certain guys that just aren't, shouldn't even be on the list. Cause they're, they're just not. Look, if you're, if you're saying he would be the shortlist and he'd be the best, then this is a divine calling for, <laughs> I, for Bob. Yeah, I agree. This, for, I agree. For Bob, who's going looking around going, wow, professional competitive surfing is broken. There's one man who can who can solve the, the riddle and has the relationships and the charisma and all that sort of stuff that you need to massage these little details. But, would, does, could he let it die on the vine? No. I feel no, like he would. Does he? Does he answer the first filter question? Does he have too much heritage and too much legacy and too connected to the old system? Does he have the vision to wipe the whole thing clean and start from scratch? I think he I don't has know. a he's vision. Pretty, he's pretty, he's pretty, he's pretty legacy. He's pretty, it's going to. Yeah. I, I have no idea. I, th I think he absolutely has the vision portion. Like he would know very clearly how to make this entertaining for surfers and also make it a profitable business, whether or not it's your exact, it's your exact vision and he doesn't want to go to bells is a different question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well then it, if you're just going someplace for the sake of going someplace, then you have no. not implemented the vision. That's, That's not I'm what saying. it is. I'm saying he might see bells as a world-class wave, I but I too. think he would also see sunset. I think he would see the value of sunset still and things like that, that you are campaigning for. Yeah. Well, look, I'm, um, here's the other thing is that for this thing to be a business, you and I both know, and we've been harping on this forever, that it should be a subscription model. And guess what? Ross Garrett has a proven track record of, of implementing and um, increasing subscriptions at Surfline. Yeah. Yeah. That he understands the paywall. Model. I mean, imagine this, the first round is free and to see the finals day, it's a paywall. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I mean, the reality is the paywall thing, the freemium model is uh, absolutely thriving in the modern world. And so, yeah, that makes perfect sense that that would be part of it. Um, what happens to the back of the year? Do you feel like um, I felt a real, the, the, the athletes that are on tour currently, I've seen them speak up more on this subject. Like as soon as Eric left the building, they were all on Instagram celebrating. Essentially it was as if there'd been a dictator who had left the building <laughs> and they, and their, um, mandate to not speak a word about their discontent had been lifted and they finally are able to clap and cheer as he's exiting. I have not seen that much passion and unity from the tour and excitement in a long time. Well, you know, I, like I'll take that with a grain of salt. I don't think you can let the lunatics run the asylum, you know, they're hard to please that group. I'll say that. And, um, you know, I don't know what to say about the 
the surfers and their response. I saw a lot well, of retired you, guys chiming in. I saw a lot of Jeremy Flores is chiming in. A lot of, you know. Well, look at this. Jeremy Flores has spoken his mind about, you know, discontent about judging and stuff like that. And he'd get fined and suspended from events when he did it. No. And then Gabe, look what Gabriel Medina, Idolo did after Surf Ranch. They didn't get fined. They didn't get suspended. Yeah. So I think Jeremy Flores has legitimate gripes. Jeremy totally. Flores feels like, what, if I'm not in the top three, I have to shut up and I can't say anything? Yeah. And and Jeremy has obviously s- s- uh, expressed a lot of this. Um, so he hasn't been silenced, even though they wanted to silence him and they find him about it. But I think that he's now vindicated in in this kind of firing, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but what I what I do think... The reason why I bring it up is you and I point to a lot of these concerns that we have just as fans and the athletes have not said anything up until now. And I feel like it's great to see that, no, they've felt the same way all along and even have told us that they feel the same way all along. They just can't state it publicly. They don't want to blaspheme their, you know, the guy running their tour publicly while they're on tour but bite the hand that feeds, so to speak. But now they're able to. And so it's nice to see that, no, they've got the same read we've had all along. It's just now they can say it. I think Matt Biola said it best. Um, He said, Eric Logan, great guy, but wrong guy for the job. Nice guy, smart guy, wrong guy. I I think that's like the most concise way to put it. Because I don't think everyone on tour, the surfers on tour, hate Eric Logan. Eric's a very nice person. He's very personable. He's, he's kind, you know, he's not like, you know, it's not like Ian Cairns is like slamming down his Coke can and telling you to shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's a little bit more to it. Um, I agree. Eric's super nice guy. And on a personal level, probably everybody could see that and would like that. But I think there was an element of, uh, <sighs> snake oil salesman, televangelist, where it's like he's coming in here and he's really trying to buddy buddy up with everybody. And we're not sure what the intentions are. And when our cries and pleads are not heard and he's constantly talking about growth and all these other things, it feels like a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Yeah. There's, there, there's, there's he's a pretty lack smooth. of earnestness. He's, he's pretty smooth. Yeah. There's a, just a tiny bit of insincerity or, or yeah, authenticity to his, it, to his vibe, but. And it took it years, be, I think. It could be that that's just Midwest, Midwest. Maybe we're not used to just Midwest values. Who knows? Let me ask you I this. Think, Some other- I think the athletes, I think the athletes kind of identify, it took a couple of years and it wasn't just Midwest values because he does have those and he is a nice guy personally and all that sort of stuff. But it was more a matter of the surfers not feeling like their needs are being put their feedbacks being heard, their needs are being kind of catered to. And instead there is, you know, the owner of the organization who is servicing certain goals that are in conflict with the surfer's best interests. Mm -hmm. And the surfers felt like Eric Logan was the guy who was responsible for delivering the owner's goals and not necessarily taking care of the surfer's feedback. I think that's right where the crux was. Let me ask you some gnarly questions. First one is, First one is, does women's surfing survive if we wipe the slate clean? Is is women's surfing 100%. part of the business model? Yeah, there 
to go with your initial criteria that you laid out, 100% there is a way to run a profitable business and put the best female surfers in the best waves in the world and make it entertaining for the core community. Um, another question. A lot of guys, well, there were some names on the stab list like Pat O'Connell and Evan Slater who, and Bob Hurley who come from the soft goods world. Basically, they're, they, they're in fashion, which is, and Paul Nade, another example. These guys, sure, at some level, they were all on tour, but these guys are really good at understanding distribution channels and when you've got to get certain lines out to the public and when you need to get certain lines, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're soft goods guys. Does that translate necessarily to being an event operations person? which is a total different skill set. Uh, absolutely it does. Uh, for those for those people specifically, I think it does. I think that with each of those examples, Evan, Pat, Bob, their passion isn't for soft goods. Their passion is for surfing and surf culture. And so they're working in soft goods to deliver their passion. But I think that the logistics of running a tour they are all smart enough and savvy enough to figure out how to do that. It's not like this super complex, you know, rocket science. They can figure out how to run events and they've actually run events as well in the past. So they have enough tangential experience, but the core passion that they're operating under is just, uh, is still there and would fuel, you know, uh, whatever new medium they're working in. There's been some discussion about, Hey, we've, They've tried, they've hired from outside three times and it's not gone well. What about hiring from within? And I mean, within the WSL right now. And so the name Dave Prodan has been bandied about. The guys on Surfer Magazine were yeah. pro Dave Prodan. Um, I like Dave a lot. I think he's a wonderful human. Um, is he too close to sort of the heritage and the legacy um, to wipe the slate clean and start from scratch and look at this from an entirely different angle. Uh, I don't know about that part of your question, but I do like the idea of Dave. I have questions about Dave. My experience with Dave is pretty um, surface level, you know, like I've seen his work with the WSL and I've spent a little bit of time with him, but I that job, the CEO job has certain demands that I'm not sure that he's like qualified to navigate. Mm -hmm. So I, I have questions about Dave still, but I could be just uh, ignorant about his true skill sets and he may be the best qualified person for the job. Yeah. The other, maybe this is related to, is he too close? The other major concern that I have throughout all this conversation is that I think Dirk is the problem. Dirk as the owner, he's the, you know, benefactor. He's the one funding the whole business and has allowed it to exist. So that's great. But I think that the three successive CEOs who could not deliver the goods, the other kind of organizational problems that I've heard, I think that all trickles down from the top. And so I don't know who you could put in that role whoever you put in that role of CEO would actually have to 
charm the socks off of Dirk to see their new vision, you know, yeah, to totally not agree. necessarily to yeah. not necessarily deliver what Dirk's been trying no. to force feed everybody yeah. for the last however many totally years. Totally agree. You got to go years. into that interview with Dirk and just be like, hey, this is the way I'm going to do it. If you don't like it like this, don't hire me because I don't want to hear it. This is the way it needs to be. And I'm, I'm being a little blunt. You would obviously be a little smoother than that. Well, but you need to go into smooth- it like, I don't care what you say, Dirk. Here's what's going to happen. And well, if you don't like problem- that, then don't hire me. But if you do like that, then hire me. And the smooth way to do that would be, this also meets your needs, Dirk. Right. What are your needs? Tell me. Oh, perfect. I have this right. vision. Looks different than the vision that you've had. But guess what? It meets your needs still. So yeah. let's execute. And so the question with Dave Prodan is, does Dave have the clout and the cojones to turn to the guy that he's been working for all along and be like, I'm going to completely blow change. your mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Here's a couple other names. Um, uh, what about Devin Howard? Again, I don't know Devin's that's Devin's skill set fill the demands of the job. Like Devin seems like an ideal executive and even like tour commissioner, Pat O'Connell, I think as well, uh, Ace Buck and tour commissioner kind of roles. Those guys would all be amazing. But CEO level yeah. of like, I'm going to take this business from losing 30 millions of dollars a year to earning a billion you know that's a unique skill set okay i got another name for you that i don't even know if you know this guy i've mentioned this guy before and he is he a salty surfer of the same variety as all of those guys on the stab list and the answer is no in fact i would question whether this guy's even surfed in the last five years but this guy was the publisher at surfer magazine when i was hired there and he's kind of gnarly in a good way in a business way like he's not somebody that would necessarily be a friend of mine but he'd be somebody that i've seen this guy make shit happen and that's doug paladini do you know doug only because you've brought him up over the years well he told me what he did at vans yeah he got let go at um surfer because of some power stuff that was having power struggles internal. And I think he, no, he left and he went to like surf line or wave track, or he went to one of, during that dot com kind of boom thing in like 2001. Um, but anyway, at some point he was left more or less jobless. And he used to write this weekly email to the industry kind of saying, can you believe Vans's stock price is super low? This is so, this is like the greatest brand ever. And they can't seem to get it together. And eventually the guys at Vans said, we've had enough of this guy giving a shit. Let's hire him. And they hired him and he took Vans to new heights. And um, he might be a guy that could, or a guy like that, that's not necessarily a salty surfer, but has the executive chops and the proven track record to take a shitty brand and drive it to, to great new successes. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting one for sure. What about Fernando Aguirre? Was he on that list? Yeah, he's he's way too many. Um, first of all, Fernando, I think, is too legacy, too heritage. He'd be too stuck yeah. on, we got to have the event at Bells. Yeah, we got to yeah. have, you know, like, yep. let's have not just 24 surfers, let's have 224 surfers. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. Fernando, look, Fernando gets shit done. I mean, there's no doubt. Um, 
Well, I'm you know, so I, I guess stated that there should be a documentary about Fernando and his drive to get the surfing into the Olympics is just unparalleled. But um, he's not I mean, too much legacy there for me. I don't see him wiping I, the slate clean. No, I agree. So as we discuss this, what I'm really concerned about is that nothing changes on tour. <laughs> like with the current Emily and Bob Kane, you know, nothing's going to change for the back half of the year. They're just going to ride no. it out. Yeah, yeah, and yeah then, for sure, for sure. And so it's like, well, okay, so will we see something radical happen in 2024? And I'm really feeling like us coming up with these pipe dreams of who should do what and then rat. I don't think any of that even happens at this point. I think maybe they find somebody who just kind of continues on the path well. that they were and until the thing actually drives off the cliff, which by all, all kind of uh, indicators and from inner, you know, uh, inside sources, it is headed for the cliff at some point. Well, you're so right. Maybe we just put a new CEO in there and let them drive it off the cliff. Yeah. You're, you know, some of the commentary on the stab discussion board was, like I said, it was insightful. And one of the things that was great was some names were thrown about like guys that are tech giants that are also surfers that would never take this job. And the reason right. they would never take this job is they're like, why take that job? I'll just start a new one. Like the super smart yeah. guys that could get something done would just start from scratch their own thing and wouldn't even like attach themselves to this Ziff M-Cane thing that's got way too much attached to it. There's just too many tentacles. It's so true. And I think prior to Eric Logan's firing, we had kind of started outlining what a tangential live tour might look like. And even stating, I think we did here, like I could see Gabe absolutely bailing on the WSL to go do that, especially if they put, let's say, a million dollar prize purse per event. Yeah. There's going to be four, five events yeah. at the best waves on the planet. I could see John John doing that. I yeah. said Kelly Slater, and you said no because of his financial interest with the WSL. But that aside, I could see Kelly absolutely doing that for the golden years, you know? So that has total viability still. And to be honest, might actually make more sense than our pipe dream of trying to pick a CEO to fit this role who's going to radically change the sinking ship. Yeah. And and the beauty of that is that you can start small. Just pick eight surfers and just do one event and see if it even happens. Market the yeah, living shit out of exactly. it so you make sure everyone knows, look, if you pay, you get to see this. And it's, you know, it's Gabe Griffin, Jack Robinson, John John, fill in the blanks, a couple more guys. And yeah. we're at Can Dewey left for one swell. Right. These guys Which are going to be surfing way, for three hours each heat. That's where <clears throat> that's where Kelly was nursing his sickness that kept him from Brazil. <laughs> I mean, literally he was getting shacked there. Yeah. I was, I was in Indo the same time he was there. So, um, what I, so now at the end of 50 minutes of discussion, here's where I see it landing. Uh, Dave Prodan gets leveled up into the CEO position and they do that specific, the, you know, Emily and Ziff, Emily as Wizard of Oz, Ziff as owner, do that with the intention of just keep executing what we've let, what we've designed up until this point. Just keep delivering. And it will eventually drive off the ship because no, or drive off the cliff because nobody wants to lose the $30 million in perpetuity. And they don't grow the audience. 
and there is a live tour adjacent that develops via Nick Woodman or Mark Zuckerberg or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that becomes what you and I want to watch. And I, and I would argue also gains the elusive audience that the WSL wants. Man. I mean, if there ever was there a time to start a new tour, it's like, this is it, you know, like, this is it. This is the time. And I'm sure that out of the ashes, le- legitimate discussions happening amongst somebody somewhere. Um, I will say this. I don't know Emily or the legal guy, Kane. Um, yeah, Bob Kane. Bob Kane. Um, I'm sure they're great at their job. Like, I'm I'm sure that they're just, like, steady as she goes, you know? Like. I, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I can presume probably, as much. I just, I would also guess that they probably don't know what their product is or no, what their product yeah. should be or what their product could be. Yeah. So, so that's that's still a huge hiccup. Anyway, I, I, I think will, Ross Garrett would would be my call right now, and there's probably some other names uh, out there. In fact, many that aren't even on. These are like the names that Stab threw up are just sort of like let's just pick some guys, and th- these are surfers, you know, these are surfers yeah. that might have a, and they bring up, and, and they're all like semi valid suggestions, you know. But okay, I got I one think for you. Guys then. out there that we're not even thinking about. I'm thinking of one that they didn't mention. What about Sam McIntosh? Well, yeah, that's the big one. That's the elephant in the room. He would be a he's, guy that would just start his own thing. He's run events. He's um, run a profitable, but he's revamped and redesigned an entire business model that is now subscription-based, freemium. And so I think, and he has a vision. I think yeah. he is early enough in his career to where he still has the kind of, drive and ambition to do some huge project like this, this would absolutely be a benefit to his resume to go from building the media business that he built to then running tours. So that would be a huge opportunity for him. And I think actually a benefit for the surf community. And, you know, I, I, I've heard it said that, you know, from a career standpoint, the best thing to do is to run into a burning building because you can either put out the fire and be a hero or the thing just burns down and it wasn't your fault anyway, you know, it was already burning. Yeah. And so there's that. What about um, Circe Wallace? I don't know anything about her. Is that Chaz's wife? Cersei. Cersei. Uh, okay, yeah. is, I don't even know how to pronounce her name. Cersei. I she is She is Chaz's wife. Um, she was a professional snowboarder who uh, was injured and the like one of the first female professional snowboarders super influential like has boots and boards made after her, you know modeled after her and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff um but she got injured and it was basically going to end her career and her sponsor wasn't going to support her through the injury or pay medical bills she like literally got injured on a photo shoot for that brand and they're just like good luck mm-hmm. you're screwed so she hired a lawyer she's like this isn't right. Hires a lawyer and won the lawsuit. And so that was kind of a pivotal moment for the industry and for lots of other action sports industries. And, um, she went on after that. And second phase of her career was being a talent agent for, uh, action sports athletes. So she worked with Bethany Hamilton when Bethany Hamilton was like at the height of her, like making the movie and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, Paul Rodriguez, skateboarder, Travis Rice, she still works with as a snowboarder. Mm-hmm. So kind of the toppest of top level athletes in the different sports. And 
the reason she got into it was because she didn't have the protection as an athlete and, you know, guidance and nurturing that, um, that she felt like she deserved that could have helped her be her best version of herself as an athlete and have a longer career. And so she got into the talent management side to provide a lot of those things to help people with their careers. So she's great. And I think she's got a lot of vision and ambition and drive and smart and all that sort of stuff. But again, I don't know that it all is as comprehensive as the CEO role needs to be. I don't know that she has the skill sets required for the CEO role. Yeah. Well, um, you mentioned Travis Rice. It appears that John John Florence is selling his 48 foot catamaran, the gunboat named Vela. The list price, David, if you got 1.4 million, you can buy John John's catamaran. John bought this boat from Travis Rice a few years oh, ago. And it's now listed for sale, this boat, the Vela in New Zealand. And um, here's a, a quick description from Yacht Hub about the John John's boat for sale. The embodiment of spirit and adventure, the gunboat 48, is on the search for her next custodian. Born of gunboats, singular focus to quality and durability, the Vela has spent most of her life traveling some of the world's most spectacular locations with some of the world's foremost watermen and adventurers. And now it's your turn to join the legend. So Dave, um, fly fly to New Zealand, take a test drive, take a test spin, throw up the spinnaker, and uh, purchase the Vela for 1.4. By the way, uh, your name was bandied about as a WSL CEO. Maybe just on Instagram comments. Nobody's serious. It was on Stab. <laughs> just hardcore hardcore listeners. Yeah. Like Would the, you say on Stab? I think it was on Stab's discussion board. But oh, Well, I actually haven't even read that article or looked at those bottom comments. Bottom line is but, the, whoever the new CEO is, they need to listen to this podcast and figure out how to do this thing. We'll... We'll consult. Um, I have one or two things to say about Brazil, the Brazil event. Yago Dora won. uh, Caitlin Simmers won, which is an official changing of the guard as far as I'm concerned. We all have been hyping and looking to Caitlin to perform at the level that we've kind of seen her perform off to her. And I feel like she's coming into her own. Uh, So that's great to see. But there was one other detail throughout the event that I don't know if you caught or if anybody caught. Um, Sammy Pupo in a in this event as a wild card took out Joao Chianca, who's you know vying for a world title. Yeah, and in the post heat interview, Sammy said, "I don't know if I'm going to be able to surf here my next round." You know, I think the next round was going to be the quarterfinals or the semifinals. He's like, "I don't know if I can surf it because I got to get to Bolito to go surf in the Challenger Series event." So I'm thinking, I'm looking at that going, man, the system's so broke, right? We uh, design, famously discussed that they, WSL created a new rule so that in the back half of the season, a wild card who is a previous world champ or a previous top five would earn points in the event that they're surfing that would go towards their, their, you know, heat, their score total at the end of the year. So that doesn't apply for guys like Sammy Pupo. So Sammy Pupo, who was on tour last year and is trying to get back on tour by surfing the qualifying series event, the Challenger Series event, is now in a CT event. And he cannot continue to surf it because it's more important to him to go down and surf the CS event. That rule that was made for Kelly Slater should have applied to everybody. Because in this scenario, you've got a great storyline. You've got all this hype. 
And now you're going to just squash it and extinguish the fire because Sammy Pupo has to go to Brazil or go down to South Africa instead. It's stupid. He should get points in this event. Totally agree. I'm a huge fan. I actually had Sammy Pupo on my fantasy team. You might recall I replaced Kelly with Sammy. So I was watching that heat. I watched that heat and I blame that heat on shitty wa- a contest in shitty waves. Jao Chianka, if you put Jao Chianka in eight foot cloud break, pretty sure he's going to smoke Sammy Pupo. <laughs> well, that that is the whole thing about this entire event is, yeah, terrible surf. And so many of those important heats, the winner won with an eight, eight point total, you know, or a 10 point total or something like yeah. that. Like heat after heat after heat after heat. So it really was awful but yeah whatever it is what it is congrats yagador got a 10 for one air one man- one wave maneuver which was really questionable for a lot of people online and uh and then of course caitlin simmers winning i think was a big boon so hold on i gotta take a break and then we'll finish up okay Driftline. I got my drifties, David, my drifties board shorts from driftline.co. And you know what's great about them? They have this thin half a millimeter wetsuit liner. On the outside, all fashion. On the inside, all function. I love my drifties. They keep me warm. They keep me secure, snug. All of the important parts are in place and they don't i don't get chafing my legs the inside of my thighs don't get scarred and rashed up everything's smooth the way she likes it (laughs) (laughs) who's she my wife um yeah it's funny they're wetsuits are a necessary evil for us in Southern California. Like we've grown just, just to accept it, but nobody wants to wear a wetsuit. A wetsuit isn't, it's difficult to get out of. It's uncomfortable, all that sort of stuff. Um, but we've accepted it, but there's different versions of wetsuits. And my favorite version up until now was the short sleeve long leg. I was like, it's easier to get out of. It's thinner. It's just kind of like the most comfortable version of a wetsuit until the drifties. Now that we've got the drifties, I'm like, this is actually less wetsuit and it's better than just wearing board shorts by itself. This is the ultimate surf attire. Like you think you want to trunk it and that means ultimate freedom. Drifties are even better than that because he's got the compression, the padding, the little bit of warmth, but they're not difficult to get out of and they're not uncomfortable in any way. It's actually more comfortable. So drifties unlocked my favorite surf attire. There's no doubt this is uh, my my board short until uh, until the day I die. Why would I wear anything? Yeah. This is like the ultimate, super comfortable. And um, I know my son feels the same way. We both were wearing our drifties in Indonesia. Go to driftline.co.co, not .com, driftline.co, and uh, check it out. Promo code SPIT to save 15% off at driftline.co. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. 
Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, I'm back. All right. Well, adios and aloha. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me say that. Real quick, let me just give a, a quick boardroom update, right? So the boardroom show, the surfboard manufacturing industry's big trade show presented by U.S. Blanks is three months away. And um, we've got all the best craftsmen, shapers, and designers under one roof <clears throat> offering great deals on surfboards, wetsuits, and gear. And we have exhibitors coming from Brazil, Italy, Australia, Hawaii, New Jersey, Florida, and of course, right here in the golden state of California. October 7th and 8th. The Boardroom International Surfboard Show presented by U.S. Blanks. <clears throat> yeah, I cannot wait. Who are the shapers competing in the Bing? Oh, yeah. Icons so we're honoring we're honoring Bing Copeland in the Icons of Foam Shape Off. And Thomas Bexon, Dane Purley, Michael Arenal, Rick Rock, Hank Warner, Wayne Rich, <clears throat> Josh Peterson, and Roger Hines. Those eight shapers are, are um, going to be going at it honoring uh, Bing Copeland. I, I've got a new podcast. Um, well, there's one with Jamie Brissick that's coming up soon, the Boardroom Podcast. And then following that will be with Thomas Bexon from Australia, Thomas Surfboards, who is now um, importing boards here to the USA. So uh, those two Boardroom Podcasts, look for those in your in your feed. Is Thomas, did you record that um, remotely or is he in America? Is he no, America? We, did it, we did it remote. <clears throat> uh, okay, got it. He's a new cool. And then Brissick um, just wrote a new book, right? Yeah, it's an accompanying book to the movie um, Beyond the Endless Summer, the, the ongoing the Life surf, of Endless Summers. Yeah, The Life of Endless Summer, The Ongoing Surf Odyssey or something. I don't know. I'm butchering the, the title, but I don't have it in front of me. But, uh, but, you know, Jamie, Jamie's just fun to talk to, you know, like about yeah. bigger cultural. He's kind of a provocateur. So, we just talked about bigger issue stuff, you know, and of course we did touch on surf travel. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and by the way, surfing village, right. The, uh, yeah, the, the, um, 
book is about Dick Metz, it should be said. It was the life of Endless Summers, and it's the story of Dick Metz. Right, and behind-the-scenes look at the guy who was behind the scenes for the Endless Summer. Yeah. Um, surfing Village strong. Surfing-village.com. Yeah. You can get $175 off if whenever you book a trip, either this year or next year. Uh, mention Boardroom Show and get $175 off your trip. I just got back. Great surf, uncrowded perfection, incredible accommodations, wonderful rooms overlooking a perfect wave, and insane food. What else do you want on a surf trip? The answer is nothing. Nothing more. But you get more. You can play pool, have a great time, and surf a bunch of different waves. So surfing-village.com. Mention Boardroom Show for the discount. Awesome. And I'll be at the Boardroom Show with you in October, too. I'm really looking forward to that event. It's great. Yeah, time. it's going to be insane. We're super psyched. And again, we're going to be selling some incredible surfboards, surfboards, wetsuits, and gear, all with great deals. All of the exhibitors are putting together spectacular boardroom show deals. So um, you're, you're going to want to come check it out. Cannot wait. Yeah, all right. Sweet, well, man. Well, hey, great to catch up after the weekend. Sorry we couldn't pull this together quicker, but... Hey, no worries. We'll do it. Um, we're going to do it again next week, David. So um, until next time, adios and aloha. The party's over now. So draw the curtains down. Your secret's safe to keep. Unzip your velvet gown And let your hair hang loose Kick off your satin shoes Throw back the eider down Farewell to Friday's clown The circus is leaving town Oh Ruby, roll your stockings down Circus is leaving town Oh Ruby, dry your eyes Fix up something to eat Still water, still run deep The dogs are barking now Get back out on the street